Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Let's grab that mic. Bring that mic back up here. Come on up here, Sharon. She needs to say something in Afrikaans. <laughs> I have to. I'm gonna learn what can I say, but I'm not gonna say that for But there. I have no clue what she said. <laughs> Thank you for having us. This is a short notice. We just told them not even a month ago. Hey, we're coming, and then they said, "Well, come. You always have a pulpit." And you know, in ministry today and around the world. That's a big honor for people to trust you, so we're very thankful to be here. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing around the world. Um, I've always wanted to travel, and so now I get to visit a lot of churches, a lot of ministries, and I'm telling you, it's true what Peter was saying this morning. Being thankful causes you to live out of the overflow. Yeah. Because then you don't, you're not focused on what you don't have. And um, just being able to sit over here, hear the word, you know, um, that sconce out there, I don't know who was responsible for that, but that in itself was something to be thankful for. So I wanted to bless you this morning, and you know, I've been, I always leave, try to leave something of what God is doing in me, or what God has done in me. And you know how they were, that there's a scripture in the Bible that says, you have to enlarge your tent. You have to make space, like Peter was saying. You have to make space. If there's something you want, you have to make space for it. If, if you want a new uh, living room, sweet couch, yeah. you is have she, to play in your mind. How big is it? It's going to fit you. And then this TV is going out. <laughs> no, and then mention it. Then you have to mention it over During the service, yes. Yes. That's always a good thing. But what I'm saying is you have to make space, right, for, for what you want. You start thinking. What, what have you been making space for, for God in this time? The, end, the, the year hasn't even finished yet. So make space. And this is what the Lord showed me in the last year. He made space for something. Then God will fill it to overflowing. So when you make space for God, there's always more than enough. It'll overflow. Then you have to enlarge your tent again. And then it, you'll fill it, and it'll overflow. So ask the Holy Spirit to show you where you are. Maybe He's telling you to enlarge your tent. Are you wanting to make more money? Give more. You know, South Africans don't like to hear that. A lot of the time, we don't talk in politics. What is it? But South Africa, I have proven it over and over. Set a goal of how much you want to give next year and be the exception to the rule. Set how much you want to be friendly to people, how, much, how far you want to go and see at the end of next year, even at the end of this year, but set a goal of how God will overflow in your life. And then send me the testimony and say, Sharon, you're right. Because South African women like to be right, don't they? <laughs> Listen, it's very quiet in this church. I'm going to just sit down. <laughs> well, praise God. God is good. Hallelujah. So I don't know who made that coffee, but man, that coffee is amazing. <laughs> and the closest you'll ever get to your glorified body on this side of the resurrection is drinking a cup of that coffee and speaking in tongues. I'm telling you what, if you do those two things, you're almost in your resurrection body. It's, it's, it's amazing. So we're so glad to be here this morning. And uh, we love, I love Cape Town. I love South Africa. I'm not used to it being warm in December because usually it's cold where we're from. But we're out of the altitude and uh, we moved from Colorado to Dallas-Fort Worth. And I might talk a little bit about that and that move and what happened there. But, uh, you know, today when I was praying about what the Lord would have me speak to you, uh, what we do is, part of the prophetic ministry is to put, is to, through the revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, is to discern 
what God is doing within a body or within a group of people and just speak into that and make a deposit. Amen. Amen. The role of the prophet is correction and direction is what it is. Not the role of prophecy, the role of the prophet. And I ain't got time to talk about the three prophetic flows yet, but that's correction and direction. And you need to operate in, the, in those revelation gifts to do that. I said all that not to magnify myself, but to lift in your heart and expectancy so that we have a proper relationship. So that you know when you open up a Coke can, you're not drinking Dr. Pepper. You're, you expect to taste Coke. And in your relationship here, you're expecting some correction and direction. And correction is not a bad thing. Amen? We'll just say, people don't like correction because usually there's a lot of negativity that goes with it. Just think of it as going to the chiropractor and somebody's been causing you a pain. And I'm the chiropractor and I'm going to make an adjustment. Amen? Amen? And uh, that, that's what happens in that area. But... I said that to say we're going to make a deposit this morning here in the church. And really talk about what God wants to do here. And I really believe that what the Lord placed on my heart today to tell you is we're going to talk to you about how to hear God's voice. How to hear God's voice. And we're going to talk about the three primary ways in which God speaks. And then after that we're going to give the favorable mention to the other ones in order the way God speaks. But if... The majority of time, there are three primary ways in which the Lord will speak to the believer. And when we begin to realize that, what you're going to begin, what you're going to do after we teach on it today, after we talk about it today, you're going to be, you're going to realize and recognize that God's been talking to you a whole lot more than you've been aware of. Because what we're doing is we're looking for an out of body experience. Often, we're looking for a megaphone. The Lord spoke to me. He said, "Do you know how?" Uh, the maturity and hearing my voice or the prophetic hearing my voice. Do you know one of the ways that you can measure that is when I can move you with a whisper instead of a megaphone. And what we're doing is God's whispering often or God's talking and we don't recognize that. And there's a lot of voices going on in the world and we got to learn how to to tune out the background noise and hear God's voice. And you and I, we have the ability to do that. I can prove that you have the ability to tune out the other voices and hear what conversation you want to hear. Have you ever been in a restaurant with a group of people and you're sitting there and you're enjoying your meal? And then all of a sudden, the conversation at the next table is a little bit more interesting than the conversation you're having at your table. What happens? You have the ability to tune out everybody else around you and dial into their voice. I'm telling you what, you're in a crowded room and there is a lot of voices. And when you begin to recognize God's voice, you can tune out the background noise and dial into the voice of God. And you're going to discover God's been talking to you the whole time. But what you've been doing is you've been looking for it and uh, looking for it as, you know, some out-of-body experience, something supernatural, something overwhelming, instead of uh, recognizing often the simplicity of his voice. So let's talk about the three primary ways that God talks to you. First of all, I want to say this. Under the Old Testament, God primarily spoke to people externally because they didn't have the Spirit of God. And you used to go to a prophet. And the, pro the Holy Ghost would come upon the, the, the king, the priest, and the prophet. And you went to a prophet to hear God. The middleman's been cut out. The Spirit of God's been poured upon all flesh now. You have direct access to God. Amen? Amen? So you don't need to go to a prophet. A prophet many times will confirm or stir up what's already on the inside of you so that you can hear the voice of God a greater, to a greater degree or, or recognize it and hear it to a greater degree in your own private life. But so the primary way he spoke under the Old Testament is external. And New Testament believers got to realize that we're on this side of the cross and the primary way that God's going to speak under the New Covenant is going to be internal. Amen? So number one way, the number one way that God speaks to you and I is through the written word of God. Amen. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Genesis to Revelation, God is going to take a Logos word, a written word, and make it into a spoken word, a rhema word, that is going to fit 
uh, for your situation. He's going to take a general word and make it into a surgeon scalpel and he'll begin to go to the word of God first. <laughs> Many people are seeking a voice when they have a verse. Why are you seeking a voice when you got a verse? If you got a verse, it's the voice of God. And so many times you're asking God for an answer. God, what's the answer? What do I do? And then all of a sudden in your mind, a verse keeps on coming to your mind. Okay, God, I don't need that. I need something else. An angel would be nice. <laughs> Can I have an angel come? I prayed for an angel one time. And then Sharon came to Colorado Springs, Harris Bible College, wow. and I married her. <laughs> so I had an angel of visitation. And it spoke Afrikaans. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brownie points. Hallelujah. But anyhow, so what we're doing is, you know, the written word of God. And we go to everywhere. Here's what I'm saying. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you've got to understand the Hebrew and the Greek. That you've got to understand all the culture. Although those things are beneficial to understanding the Bible to a greater level. But your English version of the Bible is not broken. You can discover God, and you can. there is enough truth between Genesis and Revelation that if you read the Bible with the Holy Spirit, there is enough that everything that you need that pertains to the life and godliness, there is an answer for everything in the Bible. The wisdom of God is in the Bible. But what we need is we need a revival of the Bible. But believers, one of the number one things, that is happening in believers' life. The, our issue, the heart of the matter, what's really going on in our life, is we are not reading our Bibles. We're not reading our Bibles. And then what we do, we got our Bibles in a glass case with a little hammer beside it, and it, uh, sitting on the family coffee table, and it says, in case of emergency. Then when we've tried everything, we pull out the hammer, break out the glass, get an answer from God and go, Oh my Lord, that was so easy. Why didn't I go there first? Well, no, what do we do? We wait till our hair's a mess, our makeup's a mess, we're missing a shoe, our shirt's untucked. And then we'll finally go, I'm going to go to the Bible. And then all of a sudden we read the Bible, get our answer, but a boom, but a bing. And then we go back to what we consider normal living. But normal living should be, we should go for the, uh, the, to the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In the garden, when, in perfect creation, in the Garden of Eden, the voice of God showed up on a daily basis and fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. We need the voice of God. The Word of God. And again, now, this Bible here... If you, uh, it has to be read through the lens of Jesus. Amen? The book can be a book of life or a book of left. The letter kills, but the Spirit giveth life. See, it's not about understanding the Greek and the Hebrew and the culture. It's about reading it with your personal tutor called the Holy Ghost who compares spiritual things with spiritual things. Amen? You can't understand the Bible. Well, if you read the Bible without the Holy Ghost, you know what's going to happen? You're going to come up with some crazy ideas. Like, the earth is flat. The earth is not flat. Jesus came back in 70 AD. Jesus did not come back in 70 AD. We're not in the millennial reign of Christ. And I know that I'm extremely good looking and handsome, but believe it or not, this is not my glorified body. Amen? But you'll come up with some crazy ideas. But the Holy Spirit knows what the Bible means. And everybody gets filled with the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues. What is the first thing that everybody says is, what are the first uh, things that they realize as a result of getting filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues? What's the first thing? The Bible becomes a brand new book. Because He's there, the Spirit of Truth. He's going to lead you into truth first, into the written word of God. And the other day I started reading my Bible and I was holding it. I was holding my Bible in my hands because I like the hard copy. You know what I'm saying? I like the hard stuff. I'm talking really hard. You know what I'm saying? Okay, King James Version, the, you know, the, 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 the Bible that Paul preached out of. <laughs> Anyhow, I had it in my hands. I was reading it. I began to weep. I have the owner's manual to life in my hand right here. 
The very wisdom of God is contained in this book. Men have shed, people gave their life for you to have the English version of the Bible. And yet we don't go there for the word. We don't go there for our answers. We end up wearing ourselves out. And we need a revival of the Bible is what we need. Uh, uh, Turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's read this. Verse 16. The Word of God is awesome. You should love the Word of God. If you don't love the Word of God, you should ask yourself. Here's the thing. Why do we do things the most painful way? That possibly. I'm going to pray. Okay. So the Bible said, get in your closet. I can't even fit my closet. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm going to sit and pray. I'm telling you what, if I sit and pray, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to fall asleep. Ask my, ask Sharon, ask Tammy. They'll tell you, I can sleep anywhere in any position. I've got to be mobile. If I sit and pray in Holy Ghost, it's going to go like this. And I'm going to say, God, you just had an hour and a half to speak to me in dreams, and you had nothing to say, so we're going to move on. Amen? But why do we do things religiously? If getting into the Word of God is miserable for you, and you'd rather get a a root canal than read the Bible, you're doing it wrong. Man, it's like, let's see how painful we can make this. I'm going to read my Bible while I kneel on shards of glass. It's like, don't do it that way. It says right here in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by it's God breathed and initiated with God, not with man. Man didn't make the Bible up. God revealed himself. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture. That's Genesis to Revelation. The Old Covenant wasn't bad. The Old Covenant wasn't bad. You know what? But if you read the Old Covenant through the lens of Jesus, you're going to discover Jesus in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is Jesus concealed. The New Covenant is Jesus revealed. Amen? All depends on how you read it. Now turn to Psalms 19. And we'll read this verse here. And this is going to bless you. Psalms 19. And I'll have, have to tell you, there was a time that I read the, I, re, I would read these passages and said, I don't feel this way about the Word of God. And I had to change my attitude. I'm going to show you how he says, Psalms 19, let's look at verse 7. <clears throat> the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. The Bible is not broke. Converting the soul. That word converting there means to restore to original condition. The Bible will wash through you and restore your soul. You don't need Zozo healing, inner healing. The Bible will provide inner healing for you. The Bible will repair what's wrong. See, Sigmund, we don't need Sigmund Freud has crept into the church where we got to talk about the problem and talk about how I'm scarred because my mother quit breastfeeding me when I was three years old and I wasn't ready to quit. <laughs> Come on, talk about it, Mark. I know, it was, it was traumatic. <laughs> and then she wouldn't let me watch Scooby-Doo. But anyhow, the, the Bible is your answer. It can heal you. That's See, Sigmund Freud magnifies the problem. Jesus Christ magnifies the answer. Amen. Sigmund Freud talks about your scars. Jesus Christ talks about his scars. And only one scar has the power to heal Amen? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That word simple there in the King James, it means ignorant. Are you ignorant? Do you not know what to do? The Word of God will make you wise. The Bible will make you smart. Amen? The statutes of the Lord are right. The Bible is right. What the Bible declares is wrong is wrong. And what the Bible declares is right is right. God is not gender confused. Just ask me. Just tell me that. If you're in doubt, look at your plumbing. Rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the, of the Lord are true and altogether right. Now again, see, well, the Bible says, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to pick on one, one of the current social issues. Homosexuality is wrong. You cannot argue with somebody in the secular world, it's wrong because the Bible declared, declared it's wrong. That's called circular reasoning. God declared it's wrong. Now let's take an examination. Is it really wrong? The average life expectancy of a homosexual is 44 years of age. They are more prone to sexually transmitted diseases, to suicide, and to, to depression, and so on, so forth. When I take an examination of the commandment of God, what he declared is wrong, and I examine it with, the word, with, with, with real evidence, it really is bad. Yeah. Amen? And I'm not just beating up on that. Everybody understand that. I mean, we got a room full of adults. Sex is God's idea. Did you know that? And it's a gift between one man, one woman, and holy matrimony. Any experience outside of that will destroy you to various degrees. Amen? It's out of bounds. So what you do is you resist when you're single. When you get married... You need to get after it. <laughs> no more resistant. Before you're married, red light. Once you get married, green light. Amen. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. All the judgments of God are true. More to be desired are they. Look at this. The attitude towards the word. Verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold. Man, do you have an attitude of the word of God like that? You'll work how many? You'll work yourself to death to get money. But if you had a value on the word of God to be desired more than gold, hallelujah, because the word of God and the principles of God will make you rich. You'll prosper. Enduring riches. Not bleeding riches. Amen. God doesn't want you poor. At the cross, four square gospel. Forgiveness of sins, deliverance. Healing, prosperity. Not, there's not a prosperity gospel. It's all one gospel. One gospel that did four things. He forgave your sins. He delivered you. He healed your body. Hallelujah. And He makes your wallet fat. Amen. Some of you don't like that. That's cruel. To call you to preach the gospel. Or to do something in life. And then not give you the finances to do it. That'd be cruel, but God's not like that. To be desired are they more than gold, yea, that more than fine gold, sweeter also than the honeycomb. Honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by that by them is thy servant warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. Do you believe, do you pursue the word of God like you pursue gold? Do you believe it's sweeter than honeycomb? Now, I, I, I don't have a sweet tooth. Sharon has a sweet tooth. But every once in a while, I get a hankering for chocolate. And I'm like, moist chocolate cake. It is amazing. And I go there, Sharon does this to me when I'm eating that chocolate cake. Do you need to get a room by yourself? I'm make, and I make noises. When I eat, I make noises. So if I'm around your house, I'm making noises. The food is good. I'm getting into it. But when something's sweet, how many people know you got to fight this? How many people? I got to. I'll tell you what. You never hear somebody say, "You know what? You got to hide the broccoli. You got to hide the broccoli. Why? Because it's not sweet. But chocolate, you got to put it up. Don't buy it. Because what's this thing that we got? The bubbles, the bubbles chives. You know what I'm talking about? The one that comes in the green bag, the puff. What do they call it? Chips. Yeah, chips. Man, those things are delicious. <laughs> Tammy bought me four bags. I'm through two already. Oh my, they are just awesome. You've got to hide them from me. But see, the Word of God is like that. It's not a forced thing. It's something you desire to do. You're making excuses to do it. You're like, okay, what time is it? Can I, you know, uh, you know, can I get into the Word of God when it becomes sweet like that? And that's something that God can work in you and I. God can just, God's got instruction in the Word on marriage. Finance and every the wisdom of God is in there, and God can draw it out. Amen. We got to go to the Word for our answers. 
Amen? The majority of the issues that believers suffer from is a lack of the word, a word deficiency. And you're running to everything else to backfill a deficiency in the word of God. Amen? So the primary way he's going to speak is through the written word of God. Number two, and, 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 and we're going to get two components here. The inward witness. The inward witness. Now the inward witness is composed of two. And this is where we get the other two. That he, he witnesses with us. Our spirit with his spirit. So again, and these are in order. The word of God first. Then the second way he, he deals with us is peace. When you go to make a decision in life, do you have peace about it? And the peace is the check engine light. When the light goes on, you, it doesn't mean drive faster. It means pull over the car, unless you've got an old clunker that's on all the time. Amen? You pull over and you check. When the oil light comes on, do not keep driving your car. Or you might be replacing an engine. Right? But the peace of God. Turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter uh, uh, 4. Philippians chapter 4. When you lose peace, then you need to pump the brakes. Well, what if I don't have peace? And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Uh, or what if I'm uncertain? Being uncomfortable can be misunderstood as not having peace. There have been things that God has told me to do. I am on the inside freaking out. I'm uncomfortable, but I still got the peace of God. Because God will terrify you before he edifies you. He'll show you something and you'll go, ah! And then he builds you up to it. You ever do that? That's why God only shows you steps. Because if God showed you the whole plan, what you were going to do in five years, you would be, you'd either go to the fetal position and suck your thumb, or some of you would run ahead of God and not be in this season and be in the next season. So he only shows you what you need to know because he doesn't want you to run ahead of him or drag your feet. Amen? Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything with, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That word keep there means to be a watcher in advance, to mount as a sentinel, to him in, to protect. The peace of God watches in advance. Follow the peace. Okay? So if you, lose, if you try to make a decision and you lose peace, pump the brakes. Okay? And I want to talk about this here again, and I will. Look at Colossians chapter uh, 3. Verse 15. So we talked about the Word of God and we're talking about peace now. And these are in order. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. Hallelujah. So the word rule there, let the peace of God rule, means you got to let it rule. To arbitrate, to govern, to umpire. Let it officiate. Let it arbitrate. Let the word of God be your, let the peace of God be your judge. Let it arbitrate, umpire your decision. Let it officiate. This is out of bounds, this is in bounds. So now we're in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We're actually in Divide. We're at 9,000 feet. It snows four or five inches in March. That's our summer. Our beginning of our summer. It snowed four or five inches at the altitude. Sharon goes, I want to move. You'll never move. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to move. I hate moving. I would rather drive shards of glass in my forehead and shove bamboo slivers underneath my fingernails than move. I hate it. It's painful. Have I mentioned that I hate moving? Sharon wants to move. We've been there for a while. And I was like, okay. Now, when I think about moving, I don't have a strong desire to move, but I don't have an absence of peace. I just don't want to move. So I'm talking to Pastor Greg. Pastor Greg Moore is on my board. And we were talking about something else. And I said, Pastor Greg, I got to talk to you. The woman that the Lord has given me is driving me crazy. (laughs) Hallelujah. South African women are strong. And they have an opinion and they're not afraid to tell you what that opinion is. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just got to, sometimes I do things in reaction because I'm defending myself or I'll survive. She'll roll over me. I'll let that she won't. But anyhow, uh, but anyhow, so I told Pastor Grant, I said, look, Sharon's driving me crazy. She wants to move. We're at 9,000 feet. She hates the cold. She's having trouble breathing. We've got to get out of here. But when I think about it, I don't have a strong desire. I don't have an access of peace. I don't have a green light. I don't have a red light. What do I do? Pastor Gray goes, so you're, you're in neutral. I said, yes. He goes, you don't have a green light. You don't have a red light. I said, no, but I'm not losing the peace of God. He goes, it's very simple. I'm going to tell you what to do. I go, okay, good. He's going to give me some profound, deep spiritual truth that I've never heard in my life. So I pulled out my strongest concordance, my Bible's expository dictionary, had my multiple translations of the Bible laying on there. And I got my notepad in my pen because he's about ready to tell me something profound I've never heard before. He goes, he said it one more time. No, ask, no, no strong desire, no peace, right? No green light, no red light. I go, yes, it's very easy. This is what you do. I go, okay. Do what your wife wants to do. <laughs> I go, what? What, what? Back it up. What are you saying? I said, so I got off the phone after Pastor Greg told those words to me. I said, I have heard the voice of the Lord, the one prayed in the wilderness, and we are moving under what God said. And as soon as I began to move, the desire came, the peace of God came, and the finances came, and it just it went really smoothly. Amen. But if you don't know what to do and you're making a decision, mobility brings clarity. God is like the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Right? You type in your GPS where you want to go. The woman on there, by the way, have you ever noticed, men, that the GPS is in a woman's voice? It's a communist conspiracy. They're trying to get us to take orders from women. Anyhow, that's just another thing that I'm saying. But anyhow, let's move on. And, and what I did was, I, I said that, and, and what you do, it will say, go to the parking lot, to the stop sign. And then maybe you're a little confused. But what you'll do is the, the GPS will not talk to you again until the car starts moving. The steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. God's not going to tell you the whole plan. You've got to move. That's right. Go to where God told you to be, and then God will give you the next step. Yeah, good. So if you don't know what to do or you're uncertain, approach it as a yellow light. If the light goes red, hit the brake. If the light goes green and desire and peace floods your heart, stomp on the gas. But some of you, you're working when you should be waiting, and some of you are waiting when you should be working. Two different words. Just wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord does not mean being idle. Amen? Some of you, your breakthrough is waiting for your follow-through. Amen. So, so the peace of God, the, the other way that God speaks, turn to Psalms 37, Psalm 37, and I gave, I gave it away, but we're going to go over Psalms 37 verse four. And these are in order, the word of God, peace, and then finally Psalms 34, uh, Psalms 37 verse four. I don't know what I said. But you know what? If you were prophetic, you would know where I was going before I went there. <laughs> Delight also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of thy heart, of thine heart. This word does not mean this scripture. The picture in the Hebrew is not if I just don't, you know, if, if I just, you know, I love Jesus, then He'll give me whatever I want. The picture in the Greek is the hands of clay, or clay in the hands of a potter. What he's talking about saying is, when you delight yourself in the Lord, you're putting yourself on the potter's will. And saying, God, here I am. And what God will do is he'll work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He'll remove the desires he doesn't want there and put the desires that he does want there. If God's called you to Uganda, when God gets done working with you, you can't wait to get there. You will love Uganda. That's right. Amen. Hallelujah. God will not tell you to go somewhere and not give you the desire to go there. Amen? Yeah. Or to do something. And again, they're in order. The word, peace, a desire. 
So what we're talking about is desire. I put myself on the potter's wheel. And I delight myself in the Lord. So what happened was, in 2012, my life was a mess. March of 2012. And I was like, God, I don't know what's going on. There's something I'm thinking. There's something I'm believing. I don't know what it is. I need help. I'm wrecking my life. Every time I try to go this way, like the car is out of alignment. I'm trying to go left, and the car keeps pulling to the right. I don't know what it is. It's my believing and thinking. I'm not going to blame people. I, and I cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, here I am. Whatever it is, you're, you reveal it to me. Change my thinking. Change my belief system. I'm putting myself on the potter's will. Mold me and make me. Have your way. And I had this job at Procter & Gamble that I loved. Line 3. I broke all the records. I was the, the king of line 3. I mean, I was. Everybody, they called it my line because I was that good. I ran in one month 420 MTBF. You know what that is? That means that line, when I ran it, that one month, stopped once every six hours for a month. That's how good, that's unheard of. But I was the king of nothing. You're all like, mine three, whatever, yeah. Anyhow, I love this job. They didn't treat you like you were stupid. You had ownership. You got to do it. The only time I heard from them, the foreman was if there was a change of schedule or there was something electrical or hydraulic that needed to be fixed. Right? So I loved it. So what I did in March of 2012, God, here I am. And this job I loved. Right? I'm going into work. As soon as I said that prayer, I started listening to Andrew Womack. And somebody reached on the inside of me and turned the switch off. I hated line three. I wanted to pour gasoline all over the thing and burn it to the ground. I can't stand this job. I hate this place. Because what I did is I delighted myself in the Lord. And I was like, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I said, okay? I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just telling you what I said. That stinking Andrew Walmack giving away that free teaching? I'm going to Karis Bible College now. It's bait. Don't listen to Andrew Walmack and his free teaching on his website unless you want to go to Karis Bible College. It's a trap. So all of a sudden, I switched gears. And that was the beginning. God changed my desire. If he didn't change my desire, I would still be working for Procter & Gamble, running line three, and I would not have went to Karis Bible College, got my life together, changed my legalistic mentality from legalism to grace, got free and delivered of the mixed message of grace and law, and hallelujah, fixed 99.9% .9 of my problems. But I delighted myself in the Lord. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Again, these are in order. And I keep on saying that because I want you to get it. You don't, you don't put desire ahead of the word and desire ahead of, uh, of peace. That's right. Okay, they're in order. Because you don't train in your 40 for 220s. You know what I'm talking about? I have a desire. I'm tired of my old life and I want a new one. That, no, that violates the word of God and that violates peace. And don't tell an Africans woman that you're trying to get rid of her or you will never be found again. <laughs> Hallelujah. That will not be good. That will not turn out well for you. There was one night I woke up, I was all sore, and I, I joked around to Sharon, and I said, did you beat me in my sleep with a cast iron skillet? And then I was like that, rubbing my arms and my legs. I said, no, she didn't. She's South African. She would have taken me to the duck, taken me to the bed, and beat me with my eyes open so she knew what was doing. <laughs> you don't learn anything if you're asleep when the beating takes place. you got to be awake. Yes. But it says right here in verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, I want you to notice something. In the Bible. I just want to give you, I want to take a side note. Uh, wherefore, my beloved, when God corrects you, He always points to the supply. You're already loved. Yes. This has nothing to do with being accepted or loved or born again. The fact that you are loved means that you've got the power to do this now. You're not on the outside trying to get in. You're on the inside trying to get out. You're not an outsider. You're an insider. You're already loved. 
as you have as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. You're not working to earn. You're working to take possession of. It's already mine. I want to take possession. Amen? We're not working to earn or to merit. Righteousness is not something that we do. It is not a work that we do to get a wage. Righteousness is not a wage that we earn. It is a gift that we receive. Amen? Amen? So what we do, we got that. Work it out. For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When God gets done with you, you'll want to do it and it will bring you pleasure. That's God working in it. I can be every, I, I, you know what, right now, we're like, man, Dallas, Texas, where we're at right now, Fort Worth area is wonderful because that's where God wants us to be. We love the weather. It's 108 degrees. We're like, woo, this is awesome. Heat, oxygen. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? And I discovered when I moved that I got, hallelujah, I got muscles, that groups of muscles that I forgot I had, and I got sweat glands that I forgot I had. You know how I talk about moving? I had to preach on Saturday night. Well, they moved. You know how God blessed us? A group of people came over and loaded the whole movie. Made by the time I got done preaching, it was all done. And then we went over to Texas, and then somebody drove it over there for us. And by the time I got there, somebody had pulled up the movie van and put everything in the house for us. I was like, no, no. Who does Jesus love? <laughs> Me. Amen. So we're talking about delighting in the Lord. Desire. Turn really quick to Isaiah chapter 58. We're going to lay in this bird. Isaiah 58. I fat fingered it. The end of the chapter, starting in verse, I believe, 13. Yes. This is talking about the Day of Atonement, but we're going to get some, uh, we're going to get some pictures about delighting yourself in the Lord, putting yourself on the potter's wheel. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, we don't keep Sabbaths anymore. Everybody understand that? We don't do that. We don't keep Sabbaths anymore for righteousness. Hallelujah. Jesus is our Sabbath. If you want to take a day off, we should. I mean, Sunday happens to be the first day of the week, and that's the day we worship, and that's why I don't want to work on that day. There's all lots of days I don't want to work, but that's beside the point. <laughs> From doing thy own pleasure on the holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and thou shalt honor him, not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Notice what he says. Not doing thy own ways, nor finding thy own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Verse 14. Then thou shalt delight thyself in the Lord. How do you delight yourself in the Lord? You honor God above yourself. You don't do your own thing. You don't find, you don't, you're not led by your own lust and your own pleasure, and you don't speak your own words. Then you put yourself on the potter's will, and God can lead you by desire. So one time I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. So what are the three primary ways? The Word of God, inward witness, peace, and passion. The Word of God, peace, passion. I was praying to the Holy Ghost one time. And as I was speaking in tongues and praying to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about these three ways, the three primary ways in which God leads you. And He said to me, you want to know where that's all at in one verse in the Bible? I said, I'm praying, right? And when the Holy Ghost begins to give me revelation, I pray faster. Because I wanted to come out quick, right? So normally I'm walking around. You know where that's at in the Bible? You know what Give it to me, Pastor. Come on, I want it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in mean, overdrive. He said, go to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Let's look at it. Romans 17, uh, 14, verse 17. And I used to quote this verse and I had no earthly idea what it's talking about. Until I learned about the three primary ways that God leads you. Look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy, and the Holy Ghost. What does the Word of God do? 
The Word of God gives you instructions in righteousness. How do you determine what is right and wrong? The Word of God. What he says is here, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. What are the three primary ways? The Word of God, peace, and passion. Okay? Look at verse 18. For he in these things, serveth Christ, is acceptable unto God and approved unto men. In what things? Righteousness, peace, and joy. And they're in order. It, does it agree with righteousness as defined by the Bible? Does it bring me peace? And does it bring me joy? God leads you by righteousness, peace, and joy. Or the Word of God. Now, what it says here is the righteousness of God is like a river. Every river has two banks. Everybody understand that? And, and the righteousness of God is, is contained within two banks. And the two banks of the righteousness of God is the written Word of God, Scripture, and Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You want to determine what's right, what's wrong? Does it agree with the Word of God? And does it point people to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life? The Holy Ghost will never point you away from the Word of God, and He'll never point you away from Jesus. He is a Jesus freak. Amen? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay? Inward witness. So what happens is, we got this, that's how God's going to lead you. How many people that's going to help you now? Now you know what's going on. Does the word of God say, do I got peace about it? Do I got passion? Amen? And sometimes you've got to move, and as you move on in a direction, Paul did that. Remember when Paul did that in the book of Acts? He started going here. No. The Holy Ghost forbid him. He went this way. No. He went that way. Three times he went three different directions, and the Spirit of God told him no. In fact, God had to give him a dream about a man in Macedonia to tell him which way to go. That tells me that the apostles did not sit on their butt waiting for a megaphone to come from heaven to tell them where to go. They moved and God dialed it in. Mobility brings clarity. Start moving. I like to move it, move it. <laughs> Come on now. You know it. You know what I'm talking about. Move it. But anyhow, look what he says here. So the inward witness. Right? We got the word of God. We got peace. We got passion. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. I'm talking about how God speaks. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Here's how God talks to the believer. We said that, right? How's, how's he leading? The Word of God, peace, passion. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Different, saying the same thing, different way, different terminology. You ready for this? This is how God talks. How God talks. Ready? I, ear, heart. That's how God talks. Do you see things? Well, I'm a seer. That means that God primarily talks to you through visions and dreams. Do you see things? Yeah. Are you a seer? Are you a hearer? Do you hear voices? And I'm not talking about the voices that you need to be heard. I say that you have to get medication to get off. I'm not about the good voices. Amen. Then agree with the word of God. Or do you get impressions? You know things at a heart level. You just know things from time to time and you don't know how you know them. That's how God talks. He talks to your eye, your ear, or your heart. Now, see what you're doing is you're looking for this. Thus saith the Lord, build me a boat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or you're washing the dishes one time. Hi, Gabriel. How are you doing? Good job. <laughs> Do you want us to order some curry from downtown at the Indian restaurant? You know what I'm saying? You're looking for something spectacular. And what happens is God is supernatural. You're going to forfeit the supernatural because you're looking for the spectacular. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So God, the word, peace, passion, eye, ear, heart. And does it agree with the Word of God? What I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, amen, or what I'm feeling. And usually, 
Whoever you are as a believer, there will be one of those ways in each individual life that will be more dominant than the others. Some of you are more a dominant seer than you are a hearer. Some of you, are, you, you feel. You know, now, when I, early on, when I started floating the prophetic, I would, God would overwhelm me. But now God just touches me. And I get impressions in my heart. I see visions and God moves me by impressions. I hardly ever dream. Early on, when I was young in the Lord, I dream all the time. Okay, real quick. And this is it. This is it. The other ways, the secondary ways that God talks to us. Are you ready? Prophecy. Prophecy. And prophecy is where God, most of it is where God's talking to you. Revealing the, the, the prophetic in your life is where God reveals to you the word, uh, reveals to you uh, details about your life that are not in the Bible that you need to speak. There are details that you need to know that are not in the word. The details. You're going to marry somebody from South Africa. That would be a detail that is not in the Bible. The book of Marcus. Dreams, visions, amen, angels, Jesus appearing, and then finally, uh, the audible voice of God. I thought it would be cool to have the audible voice of God sometime. Don't you think that would be cool? I, and I imagine God's voice would be like Barry White. Hello. <laughs> I want you to go on a mission trip to South Africa. You know, that's a horrible Barry White impression. But you know, Barry, cool. But then I realized that every time the voice of God was heard in the Bible, it was right before somebody was about ready to go through a major trial. And I'm like, no, no, thank you. I do you want I want the voice, but I don't want the child. Amen. Jesus appearing. Remember Paul? He thought, you know, uh, you're going to testify me before Rome. Be of good courage. Mm, no, thank you. I do. I, you, know, you really don't have to appear to me, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I don't want the trial. The best way to overcome a trial is never to go in a trial. Come on now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So those are the other ways that God talks. And I just want to encourage you. In this season that you're in right now. This church is contingent upon you. The success of this season is contingent upon your ability to hear the voice of God quickly. You cannot be, according to Psalms 32, you can't be a horse and a mule in the area of the voice of God. You can't run ahead of God and you can't be dragging your feet. you got to hear God's voice. Now, there's a field and stream one time. That I saw. A field and stream magazine hunting. And then there was a pheasant. Showed a picture of a, a wheat. And the pheasant went into the weeds. And they showed a computer line about the pheasant going in. And it was straight in. It was red. And then they showed the Britney Spaniel. The tracker. The hunting dog going in. So the, the, uh, the, uh, the pheasant went straight into the weeds. And they had the computer line. Like lit up, it was green, and then they had a bright, a bright green line for the pheasant and a red line for the a honey dog. And the honey dog, when he was tracking the pheasant, went like this: to the right, to the left, to the right, to the left. He'd go over here, start losing the scent, and then get back on the scent. Then go over here, start losing the scent, get back on the scent. God's will for our life is the pheasant. We're the dog trying to track it. And in the execution of God's will, we don't always do it perfectly. But if our heart is right, God will compass you about mercy. He will. Missing God is I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sinner. Come on. And I'm just telling you. And so, so when we're following the voice of God, that's what we're doing. And what's contingent upon it, this next season in our life, we've emerged. From COVID, a pandemic. Amen? A man-made pandemic. Never mind. Anyhow, move on. Well, we, 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 we emerged from a pandemic. And now what are we going to do after in this next season? It's contingent upon hearing the voice of God. We cannot live off of yesterday's word. We need a word today. Amen? When we were doing praise and worship, I had a vision. And the vision I saw is I saw you come up to a mountain range and you were on this side of the mountain range. It was flat. You came up to the mountain range and that was one season. And then there was a narrow path in which you went through the mountain range 
and now you're on the other side of the mountain range and there's a flat area. God gave you a word that brought you up to the mountain in a season of your life. God gave you a word in which you walked through the narrow pass and got through the mountain. But the word that brought you to the mountain and the word that brought you through the mountain cannot sustain you on the other side of the mountain. So the Lord is saying right now in the name of Jesus, it's like you've emerged into a new season and it's not like any other season that you've been in before and you need a new word. And God is going to speak to you a new word new vision, new purpose, new fire, and it's going to be unlike anything else that you've ever heard, that you've ever heard, so that you can thrive in this new season. You cannot live on the word that brought you up to the mountain. You cannot live on the word that brought you through the mountain pass and brought you through the mountain. You need a word on the other side of the mountain, and God is going to begin to speak that to you and begin to give it to you because now you're in a new season. The Lord says. And it's almost like you've been coasting. It's almost like you've been going through the motions. And God is going to put new zeal, new passion, a new fire and a new word, hallelujah, for this season, hallelujah, and, and, and to, to get you through this. And that's what God's going to do on this side of the mountain. So the Lord is saying this. The Lord says in Psalms chapter 27, verse 8, the Lord said unto me, seek my face. And my heart said unto the Lord, thy face I will see. This is an invitation for a visitation. And God is inviting you to come in and get the new word on this side of the mountain. So that he can give you an impartation and that you can thrive like you never have. You There's like a plateau going on right now. And God says, it's time. Uh, you know, I gave you a season to rest because there was a tough time going through the past. But the Lord is saying right now in the name of Jesus, the season of rest is over. It's time to seek and break up the hollow ground. It's time to take new territory, to open up new fields, and to get a new word for this season in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on now. In the name of Jesus. Things are going to be different. Power. 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 God said, get your expectation up, more gifts of the Spirit, greater demonstration of the, uh, of the power. If you want them to operate and operate in it, you must walk in it first. And God said, I'm calling you, I'm going to do an impartation, and you're going to come out a different man in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Where's my friend that was back there? Yeah, right there. In the name of Jesus. You have worked with things, and now you're going to work with people. When we were standing up there, I heard so loudly in my spirit, I heard the word influence. You have influenced things, now I'm going to teach you how to influence people in the name of Jesus. And now the Lord is saying right now, uh, uh, it is more than making money, it's more than having a business, it's about bringing a harvest of souls into the kingdom of, of God. I see this net, the net has been washed, the net has been uh, 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 mended, and, and God said, and what the Lord said to me, it, it, that, that net that's hanging there, that's washed, that's mended, that's ready to go, is, is a revelation of who you are. You're very meticulous. You're very organized in your approach to things. And things are organized, and God says, I know the organization, and he's not saying throw caution to the wind. He said, it's time to lower your net. And though you fished all night and caught nothing, nevertheless, at the word of the Lord, lower the net because you are going to be a soul winning machine in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that's good stuff. Oh, we just kicked over a mic. That is called drop the mic. Hallelujah. We'll lay there in the name of Jesus. But you know, and, and, and that's what God is saying. So here's what I want you to recognize. When God speaks something over the head, it fits over the rest of the body, okay? You understand what I'm saying? So you need to expect it. You come out of a season. And God, and you came through there. And some of us, here's the difference between a word from God and not activating from a, a, a word from God. Here's what I'm going to say. God, there's three things that God's called us to live by. Promise, purpose, and prophecy. The three Ps. Promise, purpose, and prophecy. 
And when we don't have a word from God, then what we do by default is we just go with the flow. And, and, and whatever culture we're in, whatever environment, it sets the pace. But when we got a word from God, we are able to transform our generation, transform our family, transform. We're doing things on purpose. When we don't have a word from God, we're living by default, accidentally. And God doesn't want this body and believers here to live accidentally. He wants you to live on purpose. Surgically. In the name of Jesus. On purpose. Amen. With vision. With passion. It says, for we understand, Hebrews chapter 11, that the worlds were framed by faith. You read that? It talks about the elders obtaining a good report. The world, it's not talking about the planet, the moon, the stars, creation. And that word, worlds there is the word ages. Each man and woman of faith, pre-cross, they frame their worlds by faith. And when we got a word from God, we are the ones that determine the culture. We frame the worlds. We frame the ages. And we will not pass this way again. Are we going to live it by? Are we going to live our life by a word of God? Are we just going to? Are we just? Are we just using God to affirm us and to meditate? We using God for affirmation and medication, or are we living our life on purpose, being more than the conquerors? You're either being influenced or you're the influencer. The word of God makes you an influencer. Right now, in the name of Jesus, from this day forth, God is reaching on the inside of you and unlocking something in your heart. Amen. You, you are going to flow in the prophetic like you have never flown in the prophetic in your life in the name of Jesus. God, it's like you've been asleep, like just been laying dormant. I see those masks that give you on the airplane, you know? You come up here, that mask is being lifted. I see earplugs that are being pulled out in the name of Jesus, and I see a heart that's being unlocked in the name of Jesus. God is removing that which has covered your eyes, that which has dampened the sound of God, muted the voice of God, and God is unlocking your heart. And from this day forward, in fact, don't worry about it, sister. It's going to be, it's going to be like you operated in a new, a new realm. You're going to start seeing, hearing, hallelujah. In fact, it's contingent that you allow them to pastor you because you're going to start hearing and seeing so much, you're not going to know what to do with it. And you need a little bit of direction. God has just put a flamethrower on your back and you need guidance on what to burn and what not to burn in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I love, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right here, my sister. Right here, in the name of I see the Lord say, I, when, when I, I saw you, I saw the word intercessor. And the Lord is saying that your prayers have come up before me as a memorial. And God is about ready to bring some people. He's throwing a big lasso out there. And he's going to lasso some people into the kingdom of God because of your prayers. And the Lord says, your prayer has come up as a memorial to me. In the name of Jesus. And the Lord would say unto you, thank you. Amen. The Lord would say, thank you for praying. Thank you for believing. And thank you for giving me an open door to work in these people's lives. Now I'm going to move. And the Lord is saying right now, the Lord is saying, thank you. And it's a genuine, it's a genuine thanks from the Lord. And the Lord says, I want to reward you openly. He said, ask, ask me, ask me what you want. Because I want to reward you. Nothing's off the table. The Lord said, begin to ask what you want. Because the Lord wants to reward you in the name of Jesus. He wants to give you a public... He wants to publicly recognize you in the name of Jesus. He prepared a banquet for you. He said, you just need to ask. No, and money is not off the table. The Lord said, ask. 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 In the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe that the Lord is going to visit this church with fresh revelation. There is a refreshing coming in the name of Jesus. It says in Psalms, not Psalms, Acts chapter 3 verse 19, the times of the refreshing will come by the Spirit of the Lord. There are times that God will visit you and there will be refreshing. 
a visitation that does an impartation. That word refreshing in the Greek, one of my favorite words for that definition is to catch your breath. You're going to catch your breath. You've been winded. You've been exhausted. God says it's time to refresh. Vision. He's going to freshen you up. Hallelujah. And make you, you're, some of you, I mean, a, a word in, that's coming out, you're crispy right now. You're stale. And God wants to refresh you. It's time to refresh. New vision. New passion. It's time to get it on like Donkey Kong. For those of you who live in the 80s. Hallelujah. And God is just saying right now, there's new things to do. Things that you haven't seen. Don't stay here. Listen to my invitation. I'm going to show you things that you don't know. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to make you hungry. Fresh passion. Fresh desire. And it's going to, it's going to, it's going to result in increase on every level. Don't die here. Don't die from here. You went from not enough to just enough. Now God wants to take you to more than enough. Egypt was not enough. The wilderness was just enough. The promised land was more than enough. And God says time to cross over. This is the year. And this is the invitation. And that's what God wants to impart to this body of believers today. And I'm just going to tell you. I just want to encourage you. Get hungry. And you know what I'm saying? You've got to treat it as the word of the Lord. And you've got to mix it with faith. Say, here I am. I'm going to set some. At, tell me what you want to do. I have an expectancy. My ears are open. I'm hungry. And hallelujah. I'm prepared. Based on what God told me to do today. I laid out the banquet table. God is not going to feed you. Get up there. Grab your plate. Get some fried chicken. Some lamb chops. Some Buddha horse. <laughs> bell tongue. No tart pudding. Is that what that's called? <laughs> Whatever that stuff's called. Stuff, that yum. It's, it's yummy. You know what I'm talking about. I want to get hungry. And God's prepared the table. But God will not grab your plate to feed you. Amen. God bless you. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.